Welcome to the A Show. Uh, this is a special, special edition coming to you uh, the top of the week, not in the middle of the week. Uh, I'm Justin. I'm here with Meals. What's going on, Oos? Listen, a special bonus uh, surprise uh, episode. It's, it's the Beyonce podcast. It's mm. uh, <laughs> it's it's the self-titled. It's everything like that. No, I mean, I'm doing great. This is one of the first of many things that we're doing this week or yeah this is rnc decade week it's a it's a week where we look back at the decade of pop culture and wrestling and sports and music and all these other type of things just to celebrate like yo we're really ending one decade and entering whatever the 20s i hope like another great depression doesn't show up but like yeah we're entering oh, wow. like, <laughs> you know that's what i remember the 20s from because that was dark that was dark, that was really dark. <laughs> That's my that's my history uh, that's my history knowledge. I don't remember what happened in nineteen tens or anything like that. Like what <laughs> prohibition? I don't remember. Um, uh, so for this show, uh, obviously following with the RNC decade uh, label, we are talking about some of the biggest moments in wrestling, pro wrestling for the decade, ten years. Even though a show has been around for a year, we are gonna <laughs> break down the last ten. But just you know, in a really quick, you know, it's a very quick pocket size episode just to give you guys some extra content to go along with uh what we have this week as well for the a show uh network within rnc radio we're gonna have our, our uh best matches we're gonna announce those as well right mills yes we're gonna announce best matches all four of us who's in the a, the a show network that is myself that is you justin that is cyrus you can follow him at h underscore visibility you can follow kalo at air kalo um and we're all dropping our top 10 matches, period, um, of the decade. Not just WWE, everywhere. Um, so that should be interesting. You should look out for that pretty, pretty soon. If not today, it will definitely come sometime this week. Maybe before A-Show. At least before A-Show, for sure. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it, this, sound, this feels like an incredible week. It, it's great to look back at the decade of wrestling because things have just... From where we were in 2010 to me not generally being interested in really professional wrestling and kind of like us kind of going through the motions to this kind of like lively, like living, breathing, you know, fully grown, walking on its two feet, like the transformation of professional wrestling. Like mm -hmm. each decade, I feel like it goes up, but this one, we kind of really just like exponentially went to the next level. Yeah, it was a quantum leap this decade. I think there were so many things that, um, and we'll talk about this in the show. Like there were so many things that kind of changed the the path of pro wrestling this year. Where it was like, you don't have to like like you know in the previous you know decade, the two thousands, it was like indies were just kind of starting up. You know, like we weren't really sure about a lot of things. And then this decade, it just blew up. Mm -hmm. you, had, you had just the prominence of the indies, the prominence of so many choices. And, and I think the beginning of the decade, it was there weren't very many. There was, you know, Impact and ROH and New Japan, of course. But then it was like indies were kind of still on the, you know, kind of like the fourth or fifth thing that you would, you would go towards. Now right. I would say like today, indies are like the second or third thing <laughs> for a lot of people. 
Yeah, I mean, it's crazy how much of the professional wrestling business and and so prominent ones, too, because like we said, last decade, kind of the end of WCW, maybe the rise of TNA and then ROH was just coming to its own thing. Uh, A few other companies. But now it's kind of like this thriving thing with so many superstars, so many professional wrestlers, so much. This is honestly probably the best era of professional wrestling that that's gone on, period. That we're in right now. I would agree. I, I I mean, you know, we talk a lot of shit about it. You know, a lot of people have so many differing points of views about what, you know, who's doing what, what these people represent, et cetera, et cetera. But at the, at the end of the day, like the product is now literally for everybody. Like there is so many choices where it's like you don't have to care or even watch certain things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have so many choices now. Um, so let's just jump right into it. We have a we have a couple of things on our list. Uh, that we're going to run through. First off, and, and you added this one, Mills, Impact Wrestling, their woes throughout the decade. <laughs> so, I, you know, I picked this one in terms of just like, and we're, when we're counting, we're not counting down the moments. We're just talking about, just freely talking about moments and things that have affected and have just been prominent this entire decade. But Impact Wrestling, from where it started, and legitimately the first show of the decade was where things were supposed to turn. Because I don't know if you remember this, the January 4th, 2010 show. Yes. Um, it was airing alongside the the return of Bret Hart to WWE television. And at the beginning of the decade in TNA, it was Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan coming into power for TNA. Monday Night War is back. The Monday Night Wars are back. Um, uh, To be honest, it's a great show. If you're if you watch it back now, I mean, it's a. I, I feel like the main event was AJ Styles versus I forgot who, but I mean, just the fact that AJ Styles is there. There was Mick Foley was there. A lot of people from like the Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, um, you know, Sean Waltman. A lot of different faces and a lot of different people. Oh, in the main event, AJ Styles versus Kurt Angle for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. A great you know showcase of kind of what things is, and just kind of they made their attempt. But this proved to be like one of the first of many poor decisions kind of made from TNA. And there were so many things that like, I, I mean, you start off with that when, when it was like, okay, they brought Hulk Hogan in and Eric Bischoff. And they said, he said, man, fuck the six-sided ring, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, he was like, yo, that's tacky. Let's take that out, please. He said, it was fuck this six-sided ring. Fuck all this. Everyone's getting an opportunity. And then it led into like shit, like, you know, out of that, like the aces and eights angles. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Monday Night Wars lasted for five months because while TNA did get a lot of their like highest viewership ever, they were just getting completely stomped and smashed by WWE. Like it wasn't even close. Um, yeah. And then you look at even the following year, the, the kind of disastrous main event, Victory Road 2011, Jeff Hardy versus Sting. Just that just being another kind of stain on the, on the decade of TNA. And then you, you go down further and it's the whole back and forth with Billy Corrigan and Dixie Carter and the selling of TNA and, and TNA owing people a lot of money and, 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 you know, all these other type of things, people, talent, not getting paid. Um, not only that, like not only people like not getting paid them, like their ownership itself changing hands so many times, mm-hmm. like, from Panda Energy to then Anthem, and then now it's like <laughs> I think it's like, still Anthem, isn't it? I think it's still Anthem, 
but it's like you know anthem ha- having to like bow down and kiss the ring and kind of like work with wwe and then bring bringing back in jeff jarrett and then to leap and then you know jeff jarrett immediately exiting like a couple months later like there's so many things that have happened to tna and you know none of it has been particularly i think probably the only saving grace of it has been the talent right yeah i mean like for sure and and their talent was their their, their biggest commodity it was their biggest uh asset and you saw they that they did so many things mm-hmm. this, this decade to you know, push them into the arms of other people. There's right. no AJ Styles in WWE if they if they treated him right. If they didn't lowball him on a contract and cause mm-hmm. him to go to ROH in New Japan, which caused WWE to finally be like, you know what, we can finally get him. Right, and, I, and that was all Impact's fault. And I mean, it's not only that. There was a large exodus of of talent. I mean, everyone left. Everyone who was notable from the last decade left and kind of went back to WWE or in, in independence. I mean. Awesome Kong left for a short stint, became Karma in the WWE. Bobby Lashley left. AJ Styles left. Christian Cage left. Kurt Angle left. Gail Kim left. EC3 left. Sting left. Sting, of all people, Sting. Sting left. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Sting finally showed up in the WWE after, what, like three decades? (laughs) Sting finally showed up. And to be honest with you, I think... If he showed up last decade, I don't know what would have happened. I mean, I think he would have had a lot more matches under his belt. Don't get me wrong. Oh, he wouldn't have got clapped that that quickly. Oh, like, no. Nah. I mean, from a from a physical standpoint, yes, he, he took way too long to come from just like working with your body. But we've seen people. I mean, we've seen even at the beginning of this decade, I mean, Bret Hart, who does not wrestle, wrestled in one of the main events for WrestleMania, at, at WrestleMania 26 or something. Um but if he didn't choose to come, but I still think the current climate of the WWE, um, it was probably the best era for him to show up in because he was kind of treated like the star that he was. Um, he was treated like the legend. He was the man they call Sting. He was given a high profile match. He was given a high profile debut. Um a lot of things that didn't necessarily happen to a lot of WCW guys that came in in the last decade. I mean, even because like a lot of the, the, the that type of shit is smoothed over or it was like Vince isn't going to treat them like, you know, like shit anymore. And I think that like a lot of people would they'll rag on the Triple H sting match. But it's like, how else would you expect that to end? <laughs> right. I mean. Well, actually, no. I mean, it could have. Fucking get, Sting, bro. Fuck Sting, bro. I mean, but Triple H is gonna be here forever. Let's give Sting. Sting had Sting had one WrestleMania match. He is zero for one. He is. <laughs> it is not good. Well, that's because his back is made out of Pringles. Oh and my after, god. After Seth Rollins, the god. <laughs> wow. Tried to okay. have a five star match with him. He fucking he crumbled like a little bitch. Wow. Wow. The disrespectful yeah. thing. You know what? I'll say this. I'll say this on behalf of all the I don't know what they call it, stingers, sting, stingheads. Um, stingheads. <laughs> I appreciated the time that Sting was there in the WWE, and yes, his is you know he's professionally retired, entered the WWE Hall of Fame, um, has spent his joyous times just donning the mask and showing up random places. Um, it was a, it was a great way to go out. To be honest with you, yeah, was, I yeah, mean, it could have been better. Could have been better. Don't get me wrong. Could've perfect way to perfect way to go out with him on his, on, his, yeah. on his knees shaking. Oh my god! Well, he wasn't the only return this decade because also Goldberg. Ah uh, uh, yes, Goldberg, Goldberg came back. 
Goldberg, who we never thought in his life, especially the way he left WWE before, um, never really thought he would come back to professional wrestling. Also, he's also very, very old. But even um, Goldberg himself, that's what I'm saying. Like, this is probably the best era because you look at what happened in 2004, which is closer to Goldberg's actual prime and kind of how they used him and things like that. I mean, I know the circumstances was he signed a one-year contract, so it's not like they were going to really push him to the moon. But the way they use him in 2017, 2018, as opposed to using him in 2003, 2004, is just a complete world of change. Perfect. I I think that they finally got it. I I think that they understood that this is a force. He's the force of nature. Mm -hmm. You know, he is literally, you know, to, to steal from, you know, the number one movie in the world right now, like he's literally Godzilla, you know, like he, he is the king of, of, these two second matches, I, I think there was nothing more awesome than Brock uh, and Goldberg at Survivor Series. Brock beating him in eight, what was it, like 18 seconds? Like, no, no, no. Um, Goldberg beat him. I mean, that's what I mean. I mean I, that's what I meant. Like, uh, Goldberg beat him in like 18 seconds. And yeah. then it, start, it started the storyline of like Brock spiraling because he couldn't beat him. Right. And 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 it's just a, it's a great story to tell. I think WWE got their stories completely right. And when you talk about, you know, you talk about Brock Lesnar too. I think Brock Lesnar sets the standard for how WWE treated these big names that return and being able to treat part-time um, people and still draw massive amount of attention to them because Brock Lesnar returned to WWE this decade as well after, gosh, leaving the same time Goldberg did pretty much WrestleMania 20, 2004. Um, He returned to the WWE and just his run. I mean, I think we have to talk kind of a little bit long form about Brock Lesnar because Brock Lesnar's return to the WWE, it shifted kind of how they used their major business model. Like the traction became a little bit different. It, It didn't become like, uh, we're going to use people here and there and da, da, da. It's like we're doing these big matches at these big events and it's going to draw house. And Brock Lesnar proved that he's one of the biggest draws in professional wrestling. Period. Yeah. And I I think Brock is the link, the linchpin of a lot of different, you know, good and bad storyline wise, outside of the ring wise, you know, things that WWE like to do. That was that being part timers mm-hmm. being more prominent, but and, and kind of Brock started that. But he also Brock is the. I would, you know, there are so many people on this list that are big names and did big things. Brock beat the streak this year. And I think that that makes him automatically like, you want to talk about Hall of Fame? He deserves his own wing at this point. You know, like this, this guy is unbelievable. Like whether you love him or hate him, he has literally been booked to be like the, you know, the Bruno San Martino of this fucking decade. Like this is a guy that doesn't lose that much. Uh, He's always given, you know, first class booking, Everything. And that is off of the fact that, you know, they finally realized that you need a spectacle. You need a someone who shows up and has a big match. You know, do you remember the John Cena match? I remember 100%, man. I remember, first of all, that match is an anomaly, anomaly compared to the other Brock Lesnar matches that have happened. Like It was it was hard to watch. That, that, first, that first year of Brock Lesnar, I still think they were figuring it out, and it didn't hit until he beat the streak that they kind of figured out, like, how they can kind of use him. Um, because that first year, he was, like, 
I wouldn't say wrestling, wrestling, but he was having these very long matches, like these long back and forth matches. He had a match with um, his return match against John Cena, his long feud with Triple H, um, CM which Punk. He, which he lost, which is which like, he, yeah, it, it's, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, he lost multiple times in that feud. I mean, also his feud against CM Punk. I think they were still kind of tinkering around, like, how do we use this? But it wasn't until he beat the streak at WrestleMania 30 the moment that kind of defines his career. I mean, Brock Lesnar was always good, but after that moment, he was a made man. Like he's, he's going to go down in his career as the person who ended the, the 21 win winning streak of on, you know, WrestleMania undertaker matches. Like he's the one who's going to, and and then later, even that year, he brutalized about that. How do you feel about him breaking the streak now? And, and, you know, the end of the, the decade, you know, um, I think he's the. He, I want to say because I want to look at it at the time. At the time, I wasn't completely mad about it. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. I was like, I was, I was shocked. shocked. I was shocked. I was 100% shocked. I thought the referee flubbed up. Like I thought it was because I heard the three. I had the third one, and legitimately, just as the arena goes like in confusion, was exactly the way I was. I was like, "What happened? Did the referee mess up?" Like in the Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar match, um, and there was a delay, and the then the bell rings. Like even though it's like even the bell person was kind of like, "What's going on here?" Uh, All I remember is Paul saying, "Oh my god, oh my like." <laughs> Sold it perfectly, right? Sold it excellently, and I think that's one of the that story still one of the the biggest unsolved mysteries that I wish they would do a, a WWE twenty four on is that where it's like who you know who came up with the idea, who was mad about it, who didn't want it to happen? Because you remember when it came out, there were so many differing stories about who was cool with it. Like remember they said Shawn Michaels didn't like it at all. Shawn Michaels was like pissed that mm-hmm. it happened, and that. Brock didn't want, didn't want to do it either, but Undertaker and Vince has like I would love for someone to tell the story. Well, I get it from all sides. I know Shawn Michaels knew about it, and because he talked about it on Jim Ross podcast. I guess the Rise of Wrestling podcast is also a thing that happened this decade. <laughs> um, but shout out to us. Um, <laughs> but I know from Shawn Michaels, sort of his recollection of it and he doesn't speak of it in large detail but he does speak like it was decided a couple hours before it actually happened it wasn't this thing that was decided on throughout the days or anything like that it it, you know it it also came down it's a very dramatic story i mean after that undertaker faints backstage and it's like he has to be taken out and like he got a concussion within the first minute of that match it, it it kind of looks sad. It's like, and you know, it, it kind of was like his last, like, hurrah, like his real last hurrah of being like the Undertaker, Undertaker, because now he's kind of like the spectacle guy. He's the guy that used part time for events, pop the house, et cetera, et cetera. But as far as being used as an integral character in the WWE, I think this was the final sort of moment that we had. Um, Oh yeah, he'd still get mania matches. Oh right? yeah, he'd still get it, but he wasn't he wouldn't be into like we didn't see him for until the next mania. Like and then after that, we didn't see him until the mania after that. And then you know, he loses to he loses once more at WrestleMania during this decade to a person that we'll talk about in this you know, in this entire thing. But what I think about with Brock Lesnar and in the streak now, it's absolutely perfect. Yeah. It is it, it is was- 
it was perfect for business. It was great for business. At least Undertaker can hang his hat on that because the wrestling business has never boomed more since 2014, to be honest with you. Um, I, I think, honestly, that was... There's so many like shocking moments. I, I probably put that at the top, like you know, at the top of the just the decade alone. And there were a lot of great moments this this decade. Right. But I think what it was was like Vince McMahon once again seeing that there needed to be a shift. And mm-hmm. a, a lot is said about his creative, mostly bad. But I think no one does these types of things better than him. Right. Uh, as far as shifting things and, ha- and leaving things where people were are either in love with it or they hate it, but you're still talking about it. We're still talking about it today. Um, I, I mean, he's done a lot of fucked up shit this year or not this year, but I mean this, this 10 years. Right. But I, I think that there's still moments like that that make you remember that he's like one of the best doing this. I mean, the promoter of all promoters, right? Like yeah. uh, it, it's kind of crazy, but Brock Lesnar's return to the WWE, just another major thing. Um, I think after that, I mean, can we can we talk a little bit about if we're speaking about returns and things like that? Can we speak a little bit about The Rock's return? Um, the Rock really in this decade, it's kind of a coup for WWE. I mean, he hasn't he hasn't been used much in the last like maybe like four years or so. Yeah, about five years. Yeah, but to have the biggest star in Hollywood on your Rolodex always a product of the WWE. Um, kind of it's major and we and you saw another bit of drawing power once once again saw how kind of the model change of let's do the attraction match at the beginning of the decade when the rock returned in 2011 um i'm gonna tell you i was pissed when he came back because you know i knew what it meant <laughs> what do you what did it mean to you it meant that punk was losing the title mm, i don't know if I, so i don't know if i, I initially thought that in the beginning but it definitely did happen yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it literally. I was like, "Oh well, there you go." I, and uh, it was the remember, like people were very. I'm a I, rock I, mark, so yes, I feel a much different way than you. But, but remember how people felt about part timers in the beginning of the year or the beginning of the decade, like compared to um, the end of it, where we were like, "Fuck all these fucking part timers! You got so much talent." But when we look back on them, like, no, they didn't. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean. True. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but like now we're like, okay, we really don't need them. And then they're finally like not yeah. really using them that much, which is Yeah, cool. they're not really. I mean, at this year's WrestleMania, we had Batista, another major star coming from the WWE sort of thing. And he wanted to have his last match, you know, at WrestleMania. But The Rock's return, it's a, it was so major for the WWE and it did such good business because it ended up being one of the, both of his WrestleManias end up being two of the highest grossing WrestleManias of all time. Yeah. Headlined by him versus John Cena. Um, kind of a changing of the guard and them, you know, extending this entire feud. It's legitimately one feud that lasted two years um, over the span of three WrestleManias. Um, it's something that they don't do often, um, but still turned out kind of really, really well for them. And and The Rock coming back and being that first like major attraction star. And uh, say what you will, like say what you will, like the matches might not have been like crazy good. I thought mm-hmm. that the uh, I thought that the first one was better. But which one would he hurt himself? The second one? I I, th- I think it was. 
No, it was the second one. It was yeah. the second one because he didn't come back. Like it, there was rumors of you know, and and what do you got? What do you think of like the matches that never happened? Right, like the the Rock, um, Brock. The Rock, yeah, the Rock, Brock, the Rock, Triple H. Um, I think they could have at least did the Triple H match. I think that would have. been... I think Triple H in this decade is like the fact that we see him less is really like a lot better. Mm-hmm. But also really like cool because it's like okay we see him a lot less but the matches he has are a lot better like right. when you look at some of the Triple H matches this year like against Roman and against Dean Ambrose against uh against Seth Rollins and of course against Daniel Bryan like those were all really good matches because we didn't see him throughout the year you know mm-hmm. we didn't we didn't get that methodical style of, of all like you know the whole time I think he would have been allowed to have like a really good blockbuster match against The Rock I think it would have been dope I think you know I'm. Them kind of not doing Rock versus Brock two, um, which would probably have ended in Rock versus Brock three, um, I think is it's probably one piece of business that they kind of regret because they know it would have been major nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Like Rock Brock Lesnar, one of the you know biggest draws in professional wrestling. The Rock, one of the biggest draws in Hollywood. They have the story of it long ago, and ended up be, and ended up being translated into you know Roman Reigns' kind of story and sort of shifted into that. But I'm, I mean, I'm 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 a huge fan of whenever he returns. I wish he would return a little bit more often on the surprise type of tip. Um, kind of just show up at a Monday Night Raw like he did a couple of nights ago and or, or a couple of years ago and kind of take over. It's a great change of pace, um, especially for a three-hour show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, The Rock did great business, and the in you know The Rock's return this decade once again another kind of like major upside of WWE's you know over the decade. Uh, we we have CM Punk here, and we we've gone long form on him for like two hours before, but you know CM Punk's battle with WWE and then uh, inside and outside the company, obviously a a huge part of the decade that started, um, I think started kind of putting the things in motion for what we see today, Mm -hmm. a start of it. So it's just like, if you haven't heard the CM Punk episode, go back to RNC radio live channel. It is there. Uh, I I have nothing else to add to that story. Do you have anything else to add to that story? So the CM Punk battle, I will say this, that CM Punk, um, this is this had a chance to be kind of the decade that he owned. Yes. Um, because it started so good at the beginning of the decade. I mean, he was already a multiple-time world champion by the time the decade started. Um, he, you know, he kind of owned it in that with the the pipe bomb promo and kind of like you know, went beyond and and as you continue to talk about that and then the exit with the WWE, he kind of be, became one of the biggest pro wrestling names this decade. But it wasn't until he went to UFC where things kind of went, you know, downhill. And then he kind of now it's like it's not as it's not as great before. Um, it's not as it ain't hitting. It ain't hitting. It's hitting it ain't really hitting the same. Yeah, it ain't hitting the same, unfortunately. But he had one of the chances to be kind of the biggest names of this decade. And I think what we lost with CM Punk, we gained with Daniel Bryan. Mm-hmm. Um, and Daniel Bryan kind of, I mean. When we when we did our March Madness poll of the superstar of the decade, he was the winner, right? Yeah. Like he's the one who kind of from beginning to end, 
you can tell a story. You could do a movie about this entire deal, to be honest with you. Um, it would be like a very like granola movie of this vegan who overcomes the odds and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> a granola movie. A granola <laughs> movie is hilarious. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I mean you talk about Lafies. Um but <laughs> It, the Daniel Bryan story kind of used to, it, it 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 starts off with the CM Punk and then it kind of blends into Daniel Bryan and Daniel Bryan is the one who ended up taking the hold because he gets everything that sort of uh that 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 kind of CM Punk wanted right well, we thought that he you know we thought and, and like Daniel Bryan is more like a he's such a a story about endurance and just like taking what you get and you know making it work. And really, like, he shifted the thought process of what a star could be mm-hmm. and what we thought a star could be. Because we always knew we had it in them. Yes. They didn't. And I don't think I've seen anyone disrupt the system. And I don't think we'll ever see anybody disrupt the system the same way that he did. Like, he overcame so much stuff. And it was like, that's why it's, it makes it so tragic. But that's also why it makes it so amazing, his whole journey. This, you know, in these past 10 years, like this guy in the beginning was 2010. He was on NXT. He got fired. He got fired. Then what? 18 seconds at WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, um, That happened. So Daniel Bryan was never. That was, supposed to end, that was supposed to end him. That was supposed to like destroy him. That the, right. those, those 18 seconds. I mean, but it ended up fueling him. Right. The yes chance became more loud and vociferous and and, and you know, it, 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 it from, you know, team hell no. You know, the following WrestleMania, um, the sort of rise of just like, you know, the talent like Punk and a lot of different other independent stars coming in WWE. And then when Punk left, it became like this sort of seismic shift. It was I mean, the Yes Movement was the Yes Movement was something that WWE tried to, I mean, completely control. Um, But they couldn't from. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they couldn't. They tried in 2013 and they're just like, we're going to give him his moment and then we're going to take it away and then we're going to move on to the next moment because we have a guy, we have a plan, we have everything. The Dave Batista versus Randy Orton match was the plan. I don't know how they decided they wanted to go through that in 2014. It even seems like years too late in 2014. Um, but it was undeniable. Like It became this entire thing and you had that moment in the Steel Cage match where it it kind of it have these, yeah, it peaked. And it, there's these very few moments of things that transcend professional wrestling. But that clip went viral. People started saying yes chance at various arenas and various sporting events and just various things around the world. You know, Daniel Bryan became the biggest name of professional wrestling. And then you couldn't ignore it. It culminated at WrestleMania 30. He won the WWE World Heavyweight Championship there. And unfortunately, from there, things could, took a turn. Like yeah. from it, the, from there, he uh, he was forced to relinquish the title uh, mm-hmm. because of, because of injury injuries yeah. that he uh, had accumulated even from the Indies. I mean, we in did the same that. month he lost his dad too, which is crazy, and got married, and got married. It was it's really I'm telling you, it's a great granola story. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know, from there he. Took what like nine to ten months off, came back to the ring, won the IC championship, and had to drop that literally like a month after he won it at WrestleMania 30. Uh, what was it 31? Yeah, it was 31, 31. And then from there, it became he had to actually uh retire. And so for four years, we 
pretty much had to wait and you know so many things had happened at that point he he had become the gm the general manager on smackdown and we knew he hated that gig you could tell he hated that gig it, it, it was it, it helped him in terms of just like being close to professional wrestling but it didn't satisfy what he truly wanted to I, do. I honestly think that had he not been on that contract he would have left like the fact oh, yeah. that he signed that extension right before i think i think he signed it right before mania 30 if he hadn't signed that extension, he would. I think he would have been gone. I think he would have left. Mm. I, I don't think he wanted to do what, what he did because they, you know, they kept telling they kept telling him no. They kept telling him no, even though he he kind of went off in his own thing and did his own research. And by all means, he's he's done the work to get eventually cleared. But he took a lot of his own tests, probably paid with his own money, and said, "Hey, these are doctors that are telling me that like, listen, my brain is fine." And Truly, I mean, he even said it on an episode of Talking Smack, like with the with the entire Miz moment, um, like in a few months, I'm out of here. Like, I'm I'm going to leave. Like, if if WWE doesn't clear me, I will leave. And there's a big chance he would probably have, you know, I mean, I feel like he would have probably done a lot more New Japan than AEW, but he probably would have been in AEW eventually. But um, oh, absolutely. But I'm glad he stayed. I'm glad he stayed too, but I think a lot of it is he wouldn't have stayed. I think he pulled um, or he pushed WWE's kind of hand and saying like, listen, let's do some more tests. I will, you know, sign whatever you want to sign. I will take part in whatever you want to take part of. He has to get these concussion tests after every match. Um, I don't know if it's still happening, but... Probably not. I think he's fine now. But... He had to do that, but he was eventually cleared. And I, we remember the day because we immediately just decided, yo, let's do a podcast. Like That was epic. It, it, forget. And it was in the early days of our, you know, of doing the podcast. It was a couple months of us into it. But it's just this story that you can't like. It's it's probably the feel-good story of this decade of a man who kind of overcomes it all. And the one thing that he loved was taken away from him. And then he has the chance to kind of re you know jump back into it i mean he came back and he immediately made his case i think for wrestler of the decade if not wrestler of the fucking year mm-hmm. last year when he came back i mean it started off kind of like uh kind of weird mm-hmm. but i think from there like as, so- as soon as he's you know left the big cast feud and got to the miz feud i was like i was all into it i was like okay he's back i mean him and miz has some classics and i think people aren't even really talking about those right now no, I think you know I'm I'm biased, so yes, but um, well, well, I mean you're biased, but I'm here. I'm co-signing you, bro. Like I'm I'm co-signing that. It was a real palpable feud. It was the, probably something that you they probably could have tried to manufacture, but you can't because just it, you know the two sides of what both of them represent and things like that. And I'm being a classic kind of feud that ended in a kind of shitty way, but. Um, I mean, it might be rekindled. You know, we're in the wild card era. It's it's a little bit different, but I love the fact that he was just like, I told y'all about him, and y'all didn't. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the funniest things I ever seen. But isn't that great from the character of the Miz and Daniel Bryan that they're able to flip the roles but still kind of keep the keep the you know the rivalry and the feud? Yeah, like, uh, let, I mean, let's let's get through this list. Uh, the CM Punk thing, I think uh, what I was going to say leads right into the birth of the WWE Network because it was all within the same year. Mm-hmm. The WWE Network 2014 changed. was a great year. Yeah, it, it changed the shape and the, you know, how we consume this product. And I think, like, once again, you say what you want about 
Vince and that company, they they foresee things. <laughs> you know, they foresee the, the change. Like they saw Netflix getting the bag, getting all this money, and they said, you know what, we can get in on this too. We have a fucking tape library of millions. Well, <laughs> let's of matches. Let's talk about the the true inception of WWE Network. Um, I was you know doing some research ahead of this. WWE Network was initially a thought last decade like it, uh, and of course it is right it's like the wwe one of the biggest things ever of course they want their own channel of mm. all wwe content and able to pr- you know produce that and they kind of kind of had it they kind of had it with yeah, the, the wwe, WWE classics. classics yeah they they flirted with it in the on-demand format where it's just like okay you could go back watch old madison square garden matches and old promos and etc cetera, etc cetera, blah 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 um and then the idea of wwe network came and it was still a channel-based sort of you know, deal when the first um, promo came, we all remember the the Skrillex Benny Benassi cinema, like, I remember that. Like, that was great. That was excellent. We remember that promo, and we didn't really hear anything after that for a large amount of years until I think it was early 2014 at a conference where it's just like, the WWE network will become this streaming subscription based, you know, entity for professional wrestling. And it was like, what? I, I don't think anyone believed it. And, and then they announced the fucking price. Did you, I remember the the internet going crazy. $9.99 a month. $9.99. I was like, what? You got me, bro. $9.99. First of all, at that period when it was announced, I had no job, but I had $9.99. <laughs> <laughs> I like, it was crazy. Like the first couple of uh, months with it, I watched all old everything right? like, it was so crazy bro like, I, I nothing like I, I don't watch it as much as like i literally only watch the network for pay-per-views at this point yeah uh, and and like the 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 random special i might yeah i might pull up to a you know they've got just so much i might pull up to like a you know a, a one of those documentaries of like the brett versus sean one or the thing like if i just want to watch something but yeah typically i don't watch it as much anymore but then, but I, and I never let it lapse yeah easily yeah it's a it's still what i will proudly submit my 9.99 to every month and it'll it'll probably go up in price eventually and i won't care um, because nine ninety nine is still a great deal compared to the fifty nine ninety nine that we people pay for pay per views back in the day, and I guess last week. Um, oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's still a great deal. Like the WWE Network, it changed the business model of the WWE completely. Like and selling it pushing it and their own subscription everything became in-house it didn't become like the 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 whole conversation of pay-per-view buys anymore kind of just dissolved immediately which i'm glad because it's archaic it's like essentially archaic because the way people consume things today is different and they foresaw that change coming which is not what they usually do it's yeah. not a WWE thing to see foresee things before other things happen. Like it does not WWE is usually behind on all sort of pop culture or, or, or have like, you know, in the last decade, just bad, terrible tastes on various things. Like a, we had a, we had a Donald Trump versus, you know, uh, what's her name? Rosie O'Donnell match before <laughs> last decade. Like they're not usually very forward or forward thinking on things. So the WWE network was like, Whoa, 
Yeah, and I mean, you got to talk of the you, you got to talk of the bad too. I, I think a, there's a lot of things that um, could help. Uh, one thing, giving the actual wrestlers more money <laughs> for this, yeah, <laughs> more profit off of this, I think would would be spectacular. Um, I don't know when that's going to come. I I really hope it does. I think it's bullshit that they don't they see a fraction of any. I don't think they see anything actually. I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like streaming services now, right? Like everyone gets their one hundredth of an eighth of a cent um, for every kind of stream. It's hard to quantify that. And even, you know, on this network, it's like, well, you know, what do we see from it? If, if, if NXT takeover, you know, from last night, if that, you know, it becomes the biggest streaming thing. Like who gets a piece of that? Like yeah. who gets a part of that? It's kind of hard to quantify. And yeah. I don't think WWE has figured it out, but I think they should have made an attempt. It's been like five years at this point. Um, but I think that they need to change the, um, <clears throat> they need to change the actual, the, the form, like the, uh, the actual like UI, the, the front end of the, oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. It, it needs it's, to go. it's bad. Um, I really, really, really don't think that, um, it's changed at all. I, I think that they need to really look at, you know, the way that they distribute stuff. Uh, and I also think that, and we're going to talk about this, this big, huge moment for the network as well, but I think they need to add newer content from like progress and, and, you know, all the other places that they have actual talent deals with uh, on the network. I would pay more for that. I, I think nine ninety nine is, is a robbery at this point for what oh, they yeah. offer. I would not mind paying more than that for this, but I mean, for the fact that we have, NXT alone, I would pay more for longer NXT episodes mm-hmm. and longer takeovers that have more than one women's match, or you know, just just period. Um, but speaking of NXT, from the from the WWE Network, we get NXT. I words escape me. I I think we could do a whole show <laughs> on just. I mean, we, we have a whole show on NXT. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like you know, like the, just the I, the, I, I know the impact of it. You know, the impact of it. I think you know. We of course shout out to Eric Hollow. Uh, it it became NXT is growing too much for us to you know give it the proper time that. But it deserves uh, time. Yeah, I mean, yeah that, that we needed to give it, and I'm glad we have a show like that. But I'm also that's a testament to how big this has become. It's worldwide now. Mm-hmm. And growing, uh, NXT that that revolution. Listen, we have manias now that are all NXT alumni. Can you fucking believe it? It's crazy. It's crazy that the business model that sort of Triple H kind of saw what was happening in the developmental area, and and this and this decade also includes kind of the rise of Triple H as a more of a corporate figure as opposed to just a professional wrestler. I mean, he kind of ruled the last decade, and now he's kind of giving back. Um, he's a, he took what was once FCW, which, you know, I was talking about it last night because I was watching this Triple H documentary of his road to WrestleMania and just seeing all of the things. I mean, if you haven't watched it, it's phenomenal. Just watch it. It's a, it's called creation and destruction, Triple H's road to WrestleMania. And like halfway, it's, it's so good because you kind of see just a major part of his day, but he took this brand from FCW said the wrestlers aren't getting, are are we really doing a service to us if we don't provide the best kind of things for our talent to cultivate them, to create the, the next era of bigger stars. Like if we, you know, 
that period from like to me 2008 to like 2012 was kind of like a weird period it was very dire john it, cena had no dancing partners at all no he he didn't really and that's why he, he was kind of on long he was on top as long as he was for almost 15 years um but you know they did their best and we, we got the pc from it we've got um which is a state of the art i don't know any other you know just kind of I, I have been i have been to the pc talk about it the pc is unlike anything i've ever seen i, I just just as far as like a tome of or a mural to this company it's just like a monument like, even man yeah like though they, they have you know old posters they have the rings they have a fucking recording studio where you record stuff you can do promos they have uh they have a they have a whole section that we weren't allowed to see where we went in there where it was like I think the only time you've ever seen it is when you see like them do promo stuff and, and, and uh, pre-tapes on the actual shows, but it's like, they have a, like an entrance ramp where people mm-hmm. can practice their entrances all day. It's like, it is literally like a, I wouldn't even say it's a playground, but it's actually the first fully functioning, uh, if you could call it that office mm-hmm. for these guys. And, you know, Triple H kind of, and, and again, like this probably doesn't make them any money, but I think in the long term it will. You know, oh, yeah. they, they see that you know it, it t- you gotta lose money to make money here and all of the talent that they have there are so fucking incredible and you know people can say what they want about you know buying out the indies but i mean there's there's good and bad with that you're giving them a, a livable wage where they don't have to like you know <laughs> kill themselves right the drive 400 miles to the you know next town for 20 dollars for a match um you're but, you get and that's part of the, you know, that's part of the business, but it's like they have the PC and, and I think, you know, the PC culture is very different from the main roster culture. And I'm not even going to deny that. Like they got it good there. Right. <laughs> and it's so good there. Like they're in a bubble, you know, the main roster is literally the real world, but you know, everything that they have created here with NXT, even right down to people like, I mean, let, let, I mean, let's just name some of the alumni, Sasha Banks, Bailey, Charlotte, Becky Lynch, Roman Reigns, NXT, NXT uh, not NXT, uh, Seth Rollins. Uh, Dean Ambrose, um, Finn Balor, uh, Wyatt, Neville, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, um, Jesus Christ, fuck Alistair Black, Ricochet. Right. Like, all these people have gone through the NXT uh, mold, and they've all had, I mean, a, a something to say or something to do on NXT Takeover. And t- talk about a viable brand, right? Like we are excited for takeovers just as we're excited for wrestlemania there have been 25 of these things i can't name i can name some weak ones i can't name a bad one right at all yeah it doesn't exist i don't think there's been a streak like this ever and every time we say it's gonna you know eh, what about you know this card isn't so strong they'll, they'll pull a takeover 25 on us right because just the talent that they have there and what they instill with them and sort of stealing the show. And it's such a high, you know, it's just a, something to sort of live up to. It's crazy. The, the, the WWE network has taken NXT from NXT arrival, which came out the week that the network launched um, to now 25 takeovers later. I mean, we've seen incredible, The I mean, you know, the first ever five-star match that WWE got in multiple years happened on NXT TakeOver. Johnny right. Gargano versus Andrade Cien Almas. And, you know... He did it, twi- he did it twice. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, 
it's it's incredible. We've gotten so many superstars. We've gotten so many moments. We've got so many things. It's become its own sort of brand. It becomes a it's a brand that people go back to to revitalize their career. It's a brand where they take the talent that we've gotten to sort of mold them. So by the time they hit WWE, they're ready um, and to be able to willing accept it. Triple H has done an amazing job and just an incredible job at seeing what we've got here. And, you know, we all hope one day that it'll translate to the main roster and things like that. But just working with the talent that they have there, taking it from what FCW was and a lot of, you know, a lot of bad things that happened with that, the low talent, the terrible trainers, the, the sort of bad system, all these other things and saying like, whoa, like just less than a decade later, transforming it into like, my God, we did it. We fucking did it. Uh, speaking of the Indies, Indies, huge, 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 just growing. I, I think you have to credit uh, promotions like PWG. Uh, you have to promote, you know, you have to give a lot to like progress, uh, WXW, um, shit. So, so many. Uh, yeah. Evolve. Uh, all of these, all of these places kind of breed. They were breeding ground. I think they were like a, a second NXT here for, you know, so to speak for other companies like ROH, impact uh now aew wwe how do, you, how do you feel that roh has done in this decade it's a it's one that was kind of thriving and kind of had this very independent like sort of last decade had that independent sort of a uh, reputation to it but it had a reputation I, that was strong i don't think we give them enough smoke for what they've done <laughs> I, I really don't i think the fact that um i think the fact that i'm not as in, in, engaged and i think honestly i'm probably be more engaged in impact than than i was in roh this year just based off of um just like kind of the the cooler matches that they've had this year or just even really just the tr- like the the tragic terrible funny shit they've done but i mean i don't think we i don't think we give roh enough smoke for what they did no i, think, I mean I they let brian go at the top of the decade they let brian go they let Tyler Nigel, Black. They let Tyler Black go and didn't do anything with him. I think they stopped being a breeding ground and they stopped being like a, a preparation for these guys and they they just kind of let everyone go. They let Leo Rush go, Keith Lee. Um, they they let Dijak go. All these people mm-hmm. they they fumbled. They let AJ go. Right. You know, AJ was there for a minute. They let the young bucks go. The young like well, you know what? I'm not even gonna say that they, they let the young bucks go. They let they let the young bucks do whatever the fuck they wanted to there. <laughs> yeah, pretty <laughs> they much. Let, they let them high and dry. Because <laughs> I mean, even, like the Hardys were there at one point. Right. It, you know, it had such a fantastic reputation and just a series of matches. I mean, the Punk Samoa Joe sort of rivalry, the Daniel Bryan's rise, the the Nigel McGuinness. You even had like former WWE guys like James Gibson and other people kind of come in and kind of revitalize their career. Even Eddie Guerrero had a match at RH, I believe. Now, right. I, I think the, the best thing that they did for, for this decade was their partnership with New Japan, who really needed it at the time. And mm-hmm. I think New Japan got a lot more out of it than they did <laughs> to be right. honest because it helped new japan really gain their surge in popularity because it brought their you know brought them to the eyes of the american audience it started kind of like from their world the world's uh pay-per-views with liger and uh nakamura at the time hey nakamura at the time and, and tanahashi and okada and it kind of like grew from there where it was like you know new japan is kind of bolstering the ROH shows and not the other way around anymore because these people are way more popular at this point I agree. I mean, t- talk about New Japan. New Japan was 
I would say last decade was never on my radar. I know it existed. I couldn't tell it from, you know, I was like, IWGP, New Japan, like, what's the, where are we going? Noah, what's the, who are all these people? Where do they come from? What are we doing? Um, I just know the people that have come from it. But I think with, you know, their partnership with ROH, yes, they got the most out of it. I think also the rise of the Bullet Club kind of becoming a name in professional wrestling yeah. with these American guys. So you had that kind of American face. To, and Irish with Finn. And Irish, of course. Um, had this American face on J- Japanese professional wrestling. And things like, and I also think, you know, just the rise of social media and the internet too. It became a lot more, um, the the ability to share amazing moments and amazing things that happened in professional wrestling only grew. Um, but New Japan has while it hasn't like fully and i don't know if it ever will considering this is kind of wwe's territory mm-hmm. they have made their mark in the united states i mean i well, think they did at one point i, I think now it's kind of it's kind of spooky for them without the, with the without the, all the aew talent that <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> have become executives yeah um I wish I could say I, I, that I saw a better outcome for them right now. I, I really don't know what they're going to do. I, I I don't think interest has been lost, but I think a lot of the people that the elite did bring, I don't know if a lot of them stayed. Mm. Um, and that's that's scary to me. What do you, what um what highlights would you say were for New Japan this decade? Because the earliest I remember is seeing Shinsuke Nakamura for the first time and just falling in love. Um, like, I think obviously having a uh, having Russell like a uh, Russell Kingdom um, uh, Russell Kingdom ten was, mm-hmm. was a huge one. I, I think just them being able to integrate uh, people like Jim Ross into the product as well, uh, and them taking a more uh, a huge more huge step into being more not Americanized but bringing their style and making Americans uh, kind of see like this this is an alternative i think they were the first you know company that was like this is a pro wrestling alternative like and you know the the war stuff was really overblown i think people tried to make a war out of it when it was just like hey this could just be second Mm -hmm. you know this could just be the second thing you watch i think that was a huge moment i think all the tanahashi okada matches this this year that happened i think nakamura becoming of kind of like people saw what nakamura was and they finally got to see who this guy was i remember seeing him for the first time and being like holy shit this is my new favorite fucking wrestler Mm-hmm. I think Nakamura was a huge part of that. AJ Styles' run, where he the first fucking match he had, he won the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Fucking incredible. Um, I, I think that uh, Okada and uh, Okada just having a crazy fucking run, whether you love it or hate it, you know, being the longest reigning IWGP champion and having really great fucking matches along the way. Obviously, with like Kenny Omega, had a great match with Shibata, which a lot of people are going to put on their number one matches of the decade for this year. Uh, which has had a really tragic ending. I don't know if you remember when Sh- when Shibata headbutt. Uh, yeah, I saw the headbutt. I remember that. It's hard for me to watch that match. Really hard for me to watch that match. Um, you, there's so many great things that have like Naito's rise w- was amazing. Ken- Kenny Omega's G1 run, which to me is still one of the most incredible things I've I've ever seen as far as people like, you know, a, a star finally arriving. Mm-hmm. I, I think New Japan managed to break three fucking guys this decade one of them being obviously okada omega and naito what they did with them after that it's up to you how you decide that but i think it was just they built three really top guys that that did really great business for them you know i think the g1 um another major highlight of this decade for all the things that come from it but i think that could be sort of a 
WWE doesn't do the G1. No other company does the G1. You see, like, the success of, like, you know, you know, the World Tournament for Soccer every year and sign of people who, you know, are invested in that and on their lunches and all this other thing like that. I think the G1 could be another thing kind of highlighted like that if it became this sort of worldly tournament. Like, it became somewhere where it's just like because it's on all day it's pretty much on all day like there's no way i'm catching every match like it's <laughs> it's it's on forever various nights i thought we've all experienced it like what it's on tonight like yeah, every single day every yeah single it, it's day. A, but it's so great and it's such a great week for professional wrestling that i don't think any other business or, or professional wrestling company has i think they need to sort of focus on that more because you're really telling the story from there to wrestle kingdom and that's the part you need to really kind of loop people in um but and they, it really helps build a guy it helps build that next challenger i know a lot of times the winners were like the winners of the g1 this year were honestly like okada Tanashi, Okada, Tanashi, Omega, Naito. Like it was like there weren't a lot of like, but I still say you got really great matches out of it. I, I think I think Tanahashi Ibushi is one of my favorite fucking matches I've ever seen in my life. I love that fucking match. Right. Um but next up, well, we get we have there's a lot of shit that happened this decade. This is a very daunting thing. But one thing I do want to talk about is uh the women's revolution and just let's kind of like circle around that. The women's revolution everyone will tell you 40 different ways of how it started, especially on the WWE and Nikki Bella will tell you one thing. Paige will tell you another thing. Michael Cole will tell you one thing. Stephanie McMahon will tell you one thing. Um, the women's revolution started, I mean, and now it's become like trademarked, right? Like it's a, yeah. the women's revolution is like a thing instead of like an actual like movement. Um, but it started during this decade because of the lack of time that women were getting and honestly the disgusting and, and kind of embarrassing amount of time women were getting compared to men on the roster, especially talented women. And it started, you know, as a result, there was a trending, there was AJ Lee really demanding more, especially for women who from pay and women with time and looking at it like that. And the fact that it, you know, it garnered such attention um, on social media, kind of pushed WWE's hand, say, let's do more. Mm-hmm. And it happened coincidentally with Triple H and the NXT rise and the great women that were featured in NXT having these great, amazing matches. Um, That's great. It, I, I, yeah, it's, I, I think the, the, the new kind of uh, right before WrestleMania, um, was it 32? 31. Was, there, was it 30? No, 31 was in... um. 31 was in LA. Well, well, depends what you're mentioning. It, it, uh, Stephanie's Stephanie's uh, announcement of the of the new belt. That's when it started. Oh, oh, 32. That's 32. You think that's when it started? I feel like, you know... It didn't start, I think NXT kind of was just like its own entity at that point. I think when, when the main roster... You think when the main roster starts at that... Because, you know, we saw our first women's main event ever in NXT on a, right. on a card the that um I think so how many that, people were I, I take it as like how many people were watching that that's true I mean yeah you're they, right they were they were you know how many people were really like looking at that and saying okay this it's here now I think when Stephanie came out showed that belt off and said okay this is what y'all fighting for the diva shit is over <laughs> like that was you're that women was, now you're superstars now as opposed to divas 
Um, they had that that triple threat between Charlotte, uh, Becky, and and Bailey. That that was Sasha. Sasha. I, I mean Sasha. You're right. Uh, it was, damn, Bailey took a long time to get up there, man. Bailey did, but Bailey did the work. I mean, so everyone did the work. I mean, we've had amazing uh, NXT to me. While the main roster definitely like christened it, like yes, we are here. This is it. It starts now. Women's Championship. NXT did a lot of the groundwork because you had that first women's main event. Mm-hmm. You had that first women's Iron Man match. You had that to me, to me, five star match: Sasha Banks versus Bailey, NXT Takeover Brooklyn. There I isn't anyone a, says no. I don't think anyone says no to that. People have said no because it's not an actual five star match, according to Meltzer. But um, five star match to me because my God. Um, but they did a lot of that groundwork and sort of building it there. And they kind of pushed the main roster. And a lot of women was like, well, they're having the time down there. Why don't we get the time up here? And it's like, well, a different guy owns it. Mm-hmm. Um, but throughout this decade, what we've seen on the television, I mean, Becky Lynch is a name that has become synonymous with this decade over the last like 18 months, 19 months, maybe almost two, you know, who has become synonymous because she kind of broke the mold and she became the biggest star in the company. She transcended. She transcended. I think Charlotte was always the name, like she was the name, Mm -hmm. but Becky transcended that name because she, you know, she's not a third generation, second generation star. She is, you know, she is who she is, you know, and I think people, I mean, a lot of times, like, I see that people gravitate towards non-generational talent more than, more so than they do, like, you know, generational talent, because it's like, they, they remind us of us, they're, they're blue collar, mm-hmm. and I think that, that was a major thing, like, same way Sasha gravitated, same way Bailey gravitated to a lot of people, because that's what it was, like, there's no doubt in my mind, Charlotte's, like, the best, but I think yeah. as far as, like, impact, I think those three absolutely did, I mean, her, them, those three in Oscar absolutely made it made such a an impact on just the, the the regular you know just everyone every run you know the everyday person you know right. like i mean a lot they're 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 very um relatable in a lot of ways and i i think that that's what they the wwe needed to do was make these women relatable like they are your daughters they're your sisters right. they're your they're your aunts like these are these are people that they need a chance as well and i think that they they got a lot more work to do. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, honestly, another thing that helped with that is Total Divas. I can't tell you how many people know, um, how many women that I come across of know some of these women just from that reality television show. Mm-hmm. Being able to sort of cross brand and cross promote, and and WWE has done a lot of that over the last decade. But that ESPN, a lot of different places where they've kind of cross promoted, cross brand type of deal. But you know, just from there on, that's helped the the amount of women that they've gotten. the The women's roster in the WWE must have tripled from where it was ten years ago, um, because there's just so much talent, and there's so many women, and there's so much things. And the fact that we got a main event, the main event of WrestleMania 24 was headlined by women. It was something. 24. 34. Sorry, 34. 24 was by the old dudes. Um, 34 was headlined by women is just it was unfathomable to me even like seven years ago like, you know, stuff like them uh performing or being able to perform in uh overseas in, mm-hmm. in, in areas where like they they never would usually do so and i think that like a lot is said of the saudi arabia thing but mm-hmm. like 
I, I do think that they should absolutely pull out of that. You know, yeah. like, I, I think they should stop in, until the women are allowed to do that. I, I think if you're trying to trailblaze, don't trailblaze sometimes, and then you can't trailblaze here. You know, right. so you gotta you gotta do it all the time. I think that they they then when I say they have a lot of work to do, it's like they purposely go back on what they say on mm-hmm. this, a lot of times. It's like you can't have be, be gearing up for a women's main event and then kind of cut them off at the knees one week because you got to build a Saudi Arabia show two times a year, you know, like that's just bullshit to me, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I think as a whole, it's a net positive for the women's revolution. I think it's a net positive. They're, they're trying to. I agree. I mean, you know, speaking of main event in WrestleMania, I don't think they could have got to that point without um, one more factor that sort of ended up in this. And it was Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Ronda Rousey. Brock level. Brock level. Brock level. Ronda Rousey getting signed to the WWE last year. It was, she's, in terms of her decade, she was, you know, the most notable star in UFC. She was UFC's first big star, like major, transcend in mm-hmm. movies, in, 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 on shows, on anything, Olympic athlete, all these other things. And then she lost. <laughs> times um as is i mean not all good things last forever um but she lost multiple times and she decided listen i'm going to pursue something that i've really really loved for a long time and we saw her at wrestlemania 31 and what she did there um two years later she signs to the wwe debuts at the royal rumble and we go through this entire year of ronda rousey how do you feel like i mean we're not i don't think we're done with ronda rousey in the wwe just yet but I think the first chapter of her career in the WWE has been written. How do you feel about that? I, I agree with that. Um, I think that you, we talk about generational talent. I think she's just, she's carved out her own section there. Like she is a once in a lifetime. I don't think I've seen anyone pick it up, pick it up as quickly as she has. I, I, anyone, no one, you know, like, from mania all the way down, I, I obviously we have problems with the social media stuff and the promos and stuff like that. But when it came to in ring, there was nobody, nobody better in there. I yeah. had matches with like Charlotte matches with Sasha matches with, with, uh, with Becky, all that stuff like that was amazing. I think she, she pulled out some really amazing stuff uh, that I'd never expected. You know, no one ever expected her to be that good. We just expected her to kind of come along and, you know, kind of, kind of, be a be a tourist so to speak <laughs> and she wasn't like she she fully she was training at the pc she was you know she was there raw every week bro like i've never i've she, never seen anything like that it was un, especially in the you know the post in the current brock lesnar era brock lesnar is not at raw every week um her being there and just like hey i'm trying to learn and i'm trying to just be one of the people there and one of the i'm trying to get the entire experience and kind of take it all in as opposed to being holier than thou and getting the resentment because of that now she got the resentment anyway it doesn't matter wrestling fans are wrestling fans and, um, and she's a sandy hook truther so yeah well that is also um <laughs> but her Natural talent and that run, she won the women's championship. She held it for a long time. I don't think any of her matches were bad. Um, I think she's 
brought more attention to the women's division, even when matches like versus Alexa Bliss at SummerSlam and versus Nia Jax at multiple events, and that match versus Sasha Banks at the Royal Rumble, a completely underrated, overlooked match because it's incredible. It's um, a great match. I, I think the Becky Oscar thing kind of. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Becky Oscar thing, the Becky winning the Royal Rumble thing, multiple things overshadowed it. But I don't think both women get enough credit for that match this year. It kind of gets hidden because the intensity and the feelings and the motivations and everything heading into that match um, was just incredible. Um, and all culminated at WrestleMania. Yeah, and, I don't think you have a women's main event without without Ronda there, and I think I think you can be absolutely honest with that. Like there, yeah. there's no women's main event without Ronda. No, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah. Uh, so next on this list, we have Hulk Hogan and Gawker. Whew. I I was at a I was at a Young Thug concert when this the, when he got fired. <laughs> <laughs> I was in my bed, but I remember it. I remember, I remember the um, the night. It was of, a tweet or something, or, or a news. A, it was like immediate. They fired the shit out of him immediately. They fired. They fired the shit out of him. Is exactly <laughs> how I would personify it. It happened on. Um, it's like a Sunday, July twenty fourth, I believe. July twenty fourth. Um, WWE, what did it say? I'm trying to find the exact words. Because they, they they shut him all down. They like took his merch off. They took everything off. They they stopped using him and, you know... Scrubbed him completely. Completely. It was like he was another person. You know? You know? Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> but um, it's a, it said... Oh, I'm trying to find the, the exact quote. It says, WWE, World Wrestling you know, Entertainment has severed ties... Oh, WWE terminated its contract with Terry Bollea, a.k.a. Hulk Hogan. WWE is committed to embracing and celebrating individuals from all backgrounds, as demonstrated by the diversity of our employees, performers, and fans worldwide. Um, it, it, the, the video came out during this entire... Um, actually, it started with Hulk Hogan versus What's-His-Face, Bubba the Love Sponge. Yeah, deal because he he banged his banged her wife. Like, what a terrible friend! Um, White white people crazy. (laughs) It's crazy. And then for some reason they filmed it, and Gawker obtained the video and released the video of Hulk Hogan on a racial tirade. And it is the racial tirade of all racial tirades. It is as much as now, as we're into this latter decade, people have become accepting and potentially forgiving and. Maybe tolerating. I'll say this. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say understanding. I don't understand it. You racist. That's what I understand. Um, I don't think he. And I mean, just, just even just a. He comes back. You know. He comes back. I, I, and I never thought he wouldn't come back. To be honest with you, I. I don't think he's worth it. I don't think he's worth it either. But he's back. I mean, the name is still Hulk Hogan, but I don't think he's worth it at all. But then again, I'm a young black male. And um, I also talk to other black males. White, black, whatever. There are other black, there are other white, there are other white or there are other black males that think Hulk Hogan's okay to come back. It's uh, a. Actually, there are. I've seen it. Yeah. You know, 
to me, what he did was unforgivable and it was unforgivable for a long time and it's still unforgivable to a lot of people and it's still not acceptable. And to me, in terms of, especially now we talk about this Lars Sullivan deal, he, he, he hasn't done the work to me, nor has shown the, he, he's, he said he got caught. He said mm-hmm. that it was released all everywhere and people saw what kind of big racist orange piece of shit he is. Um, but he doesn't, hasn't done the work to sort of obtain the forgiveness of people of color and of people that he affected in that racist rant. He hasn't done it. He just come back and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry for saying it. It's like, all right, well prove also, also you can be sorry, but also you can also still be racist and be sorry for (laughs) getting caught about the things that you did. Like what he said to me is still unforgivable. Like, the words that he used, even if I, I, I read back what he said on that day and I still get triggered by it because he didn't just say like, you know, that he said he went in in yeah. in. it was more than just the N word. It was just a tirade it, on blacks as, as, as a whole. Right. So, I mean, this became an entire thing, severed all ties. He wasn't featured on any WWE programming for a long time until I think about last year yeah a year and a half ago about um they started slowly bringing him back in they started slowly incorporating him um i'll, I'll say one thing the the reactions for him coming back haven't been like huge reactions at all i mean they brought him back in saudi arabia yeah <laughs> officially away from wwe soil um but yeah the, the reactions haven't i mean i think they realize also that they don't necessarily need hulk hogan in 2019 it's not a name that rings bells, to be honest with you. Um, he's a notable name. He's still the Babe Ruth of professional wrestling in terms of just name. Yeah, but Babe Ruth was racist too. There you go. I mean, <laughs> so I mean, turn on contract. Ask me how. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But um, yeah, it's a you know. I think whole- it also this also is a bigger conversation of us of, of a lot of people holding these legends uh, accountable for what they do in this age now. I mean, you see it with Jim Cornette, you see it with Jr. You see it with Fabulous a lot of Moola, Fabulous Moolah. It's like it's just, this is the age of accountability uh, for such a such for essentially a fake sport now. You know, it's the age of accountability. Even right down to like social media, like whatever people say, like we're holding these people accountable, and whether they want to admit it or not, like the big companies have to pay attention to it. Do you feel like we've gotten the professional wrestling business and the diversity of it all has improved? It's probably the best it's ever been ever, right? It's ever been. We have, we have black champions all over your TV right now. You're black champions. We have, we, we have a diversity of talent. I mean, Mustafa Ali, incredible someone that people can genuinely get behind yeah. you have Rory mysterio andrade cian almas you know the lucha house party Kyrie, oscar nakamura it's uh, you know they, they've expanded to china they've expanded to india they've expanded to south america they've expanded to you know all these different type of places where we've incorporated all these races and show that wwe can't isn't just one color i mean yeah. the top guy right now is a person of color he is samoan and then a decade before it would have been the great Kali. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would have been the great Kali. And he comes out and he's large. He's Indian. He, he, his choice of matches, the Pujambi prison, like yeah, it's so it, stereotypical and racist. Yeah. I mean, even in, you know, we love crime time, but crime time itself 
a very stereotypical like kind of deal. And it kind of shows we, we don't get that as much anymore. I think, you know, credit, one of the credits we should have on that is kind of New Day, right? New Day kind of turns the head on what like the stereotypical kind of superstar is. Mm-hmm. Um, Shinsuke Nakamura as well. Shinsuke Nakamura in the last decade. Yeah, last decade would have been Kenzo Suzuki, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and then he comes in and he kind of transcends whatever, you know, just Asian American stereotypes. He comes in, he's this rock star. They compare him to, you know, Prince and, and Michael Jackson and, and all these other things. Like Kofi Kingston is world champion. Kofi Kimber. Kingston, Kimber. WWE champion. Love it. It's crazy. It's crazy. Street Profit. This is this is 24 hours after, but you know, Street Profits. Street Profits, tag team champions. I popped. Yeah. I popped I popped more for I'm not gonna lie, I popped more for uh profits. I understand. I'm not gonna take it away. I also popped. Um but it is <laughs> but it is what it is. Like, but it's just so much it's a great melting pot. And even, you know. I think this decade as well, you know, we're in we're in Pride Month right now. A lot of WWE superstars able to be themselves. I mean, how big was the news when um Darren Young came out and he kind of came out on a whim mm-hmm. it was to TMZ. Um it was I believe a, a bit before SummerSlam 2000 um it was a bit sometime in, in this decade. It was definitely in this decade. He comes out um, on TMZ and there hasn't been really an openly gay WWE superstar. Like now you got Sonya Deville. I mean. And now you got Sonya Deville, Pat Patterson, who's been you know gay for a long time, came out as well. <laughs> He's been gay for a long time. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I mean... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um and a lot of different other superstars. I mean I think that the you know the 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 um dedication to diversity has made it's paved the way for I mean podcasts even like this one and so many others um that feature people of color. I don't think we've ever seen as many people that look like us talking about this in my life. You yeah. know, it was it was mostly like schoolyard, you know, in the crib type stuff and now it's like broadcast into the world and it's crazy you know yeah. the, the people that we're, we're able to affect people to you know talk about this and we also are teamed with people on this very network that are that look like us to talk about it and dress like us and think like us you know it's crazy right 100 percent uh, uh we got two more topics two more topics uh we've gone long form on one of them i think i'll close my eyes and point right at aew Okay, AEW. We we spoke of the indies and, and that revolution, and of course, uh, we are now going into a new decade with the idea that you know there's going to be yet another competition, uh, another major company. It started with Impact, and now we're we're going right into AEW at the top of, of this you know this next decade, owned by wrestlers. So we'll see how that works. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this about AEW. It's definitely a shift in the environment for professional wrestling. It's a shift in terms of now that there's another major company that isn't like impact wrestling and, you know, we should on impact wrestling, but, and also, but they've made a lot of decisions where they can be rightfully shitted on, but 
it's a it's a viable another option for a company as of right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they still have an entire decade to sort of build their name and go through the ups and downs of being a startup company and start a professional wrestling company and how you treat professional wrestlers and stories and building, et cetera, et cetera. But as of right now, it's a viable second option where, you know, we see the continued growth of talent in the WWE. Um, there isn't, we, we've seen it. We, we talk about a wild card rule, all these other things. There's not enough time for all the talent. Mm-hmm. And there's also, at, we're also at a period right now where a lot more, you know, superstars are frustrated with their position on the card than they've ever been before as well. Yeah, because as, as, as good as it is right now, not everything is good. You know, yeah. There, there is, again, in the past two years, and, and the guy we'll talk about next is, is definitely a big part of that, but like creative is not wild. You know, like creative is up and down, and a lot of people aren't getting their opportunities. Like WWE signed all these great people. And remember we said, oh, man, they signed a lot of good people. A lot of these people are not being used, and they need a place to go. And AEW presents an option. And AEW is owned by Tony Khan in, in the executive committee, Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, um, Brandy Rhodes, Kenny Omega. Um, it's a it's a professional wrestling company owned by professional wrestlers, which is interesting. I mean, yes, it, it works. Um, but in terms of we'll see how it kind of translates for putting on the business mind instead of professional wrestling mind and seeing mm-hmm. how that works. But I'll say this, I'm looking forward to what happens in terms of does this continue to create a very sustainable environment for professional wrestlers and for professional wrestling. And it does continue to add to the content that we have because there's so much content right now. Um, and that is it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, we've, we've gone long for money, but we just have to mention the fact that, hey, the next decade is going to get real mixy. It's going to get real spicy. It's already getting spicy. It's already spicy, but it's going to get way more spicy. Uh, uh, I, I can't uh, think of any anything to end this off with, with, uh, with this guy. Um, damn, his, he main events this show too? Shit. Yeah, this, this decade has really been, again, in, in a lot of ways, like up and down for him. Tragedy. Mm-hmm. Triumph. Uh, insane. Uh, Roman Reigns, I think he's he is the again, he is kind of like the beacon for everything right and wrong with main event booking <laughs> yeah. on, on a major program. I, I think that we spent very large time, like very large time this decade, talking about what frustrates us about him for for him being so good. He was never able to ever able to really be himself. Um, he was never really loved until like now Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh that's a long time going without being loved by the way yeah uh five years is a long time i I think roman reigns is absolutely one of the most misunderstood and mishandled guys that has made it work and still managed to be one of the the top guys i think i've never seen someone who people the boys in the back love him Mm -hmm. everyone else hates this guy like people have called him lex luger and i get it completely understand it they made him look like a fucking bumbling idiot as a main event face. The one thing I will say right now, the what they're doing with the faces, they made the faces in WWE look very strong and smart mm-hmm. and cool and awesome because Roman Reigns looked like the biggest idiot. He, they were purposely almost getting people to boo him because of how stupid he would always look. He lost every big match he's ever had. Yeah. 
It was ridiculous. When, when it mattered, he lost. When it mattered, he lost. So Roman Reigns, the truly the evolution of it was uh, through this entire decade. I mean, he comes up in FCW. They try to do the Samoan thing with him. It's like, ah, let's not, let's grab that, the Shield. And the Shield, again, a major force this entire decade. All three guys, major talents. I mean, Dean Ambrose is, now, I mean, John Moxley is now in AEW. Um, Seth Rollins is world champion. Roman Reigns is pretty much the new face of the, you know, WWE whatever with the shield that they did it worked um but then roman reigns goes out on its own and becomes such a now it's like will they or won't they and for and it it, it never was this thing with previous stars it never was this thing with the austins or the hogans or the cenas in terms of do we want this guy to be the guy or do we not want this guy to be the guy let's uh, he's still the guy but he loses but you know we also have i don't think business has affected the wwe as much more now than it <laughs> than it has now because mm-hmm. i feel like business decisions really have affected the way they've kind of moved forward as Roman Reigns, especially with Brock Lesnar at the helm. And Brock Lesnar is a major part of like, yo, we haven't done it yet. Because Just Think about how they've positioned, even with Brock Lesnar, I think he has more reigns than Roman does. Roman has only had four title reigns. Probably four. combined of like three months, maybe. <laughs> yeah, like four. One of them was like a month. Yeah. Which yeah. his, most, his most recent one ended in a month, I think, because of just tragedy. Yeah. But none of them over 100-something days. Like, he's never had a Cena run. I think Seth has probably already beaten his, his combined runs, <laughs> period. Yeah. Like, they've never positioned this guy to look like anything other than an idiot for a large part of the... And it was like, this is the frustration with well, Vince as well. Idiot isn't such an idiot word. I feel like it's more so... We either doing it or we're not. Like it, they made him feel like they built him up to say yes, we can, and yes, he's capable. And then they said, nah, he's actually not. Like that was the most frustrating part about it for me. And like, he can beat everyone else. He can beat Brock everyone else, but Brock Lesnar. He can beat everyone else until it actually mattered. He can hold it all until it's time to give it to somebody else. Like it's just. I think the best title program he had was when he got the, the money in the bank cashed in on him by Sheamus. Mm. And that was, I think the peak of fan interest in him was then like when they wanted to see him beat Sheamus. I think we don't give Sheamus enough credit for that either. Right. And then, but, but then what does he do? I think he loses that. He wins it, but then he loses it at the Royal Rumble. Yeah. <laughs> to Triple H. To <laughs> one of the biggest political hits. I've ever seen in my life where they made him look. I, I know you didn't like the word idiot. They did make him look like an idiot during this program. Um, he I feel like on TV for like a month. I feel like he looked more of an idiot, but he won the World Rumble the previous year. And just a boo. It was such a bad look for WWE because you got The Rock there. I'm sure they were hoping The Rock would add something, but nope. It, Philly is just pouring the booze in. And. I'm interested in hearing how what how he felt about it in terms of just like if it stunted any of his confidence, it stunted any of his like self-esteem, that he's doing the best they can and they're just like ripping into him like crazy. 
And the thing is, he's not even a bad wrestler. I think he got better. I think he's one of the top five, at least top ten in the main roster right now. I mean, how do you feel about him beating The Undertaker at WrestleMania? I, I, th- I think at that point, I didn't care about The Undertaker anymore. I think it was like the match was so bad, I think, was, was what I cared about the most. I was like, how can you how, like Roman can't get anything out of that guy? You know, right. he's not he's not that he's not an AJ Styles like talent where it's like he can get something out of everybody or like a Seth Rollins talent where he can get something out of everybody. Like he needs to have a foil because just his style, like he can't lift The Undertaker up. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, he can't do any of that stuff. So it's like. It was. I think it was just more the match was a disappointment than anything. I see what they were trying to do, but I don't. I don't think beating the Undertaker is better than him having a, a lot of reigns or a lot of lengthy reigns, you know, or, or one lengthy one. Like or, and yeah, I, just being a strong champion. Yeah. Even now, like I don't see him ever getting one. You know, like I, I don't. I don't see it. I feel like some tragedy would have to happen. Something would happen to have to happen to someone, and they would have to be like, "All right, let's put it on Roman real quick." Yeah, like he's he's properly where he is. Like, do you see like like right now where with think the way things are going like i don't see him factored in until at least the fall yeah if until not like yeah i think once we start heading into like okay we gotta let's start um but the wrestlemania programs then that's where we starts flirting with the championship scene but until then yeah he doesn't really need to i don't see and he doesn't yeah again he doesn't need to and i think you know we're kind of sidestepping the elephant in the room but like his cancer his cancer diagnosis was kind of a, a turn key moment that made people kind of go back and say like, were we too harsh on him, the man? Mm-hmm. And I say, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, how, yeah. how do you feel about, well, just a sidebar to this, the, the role of professional wrestling fans and entire of this, are we, it's gotten more toxic this decade. Yeah. So I think media, with social media. Yeah. This, they made it more toxic. I think you had people, you know, making petitions to try and stop him from being on TV and stuff like that. Like you had got false, way more inf- false information, which when it gets spread becomes this sort of wildfire. And then, you know, people react to certain things in certain different ways and you got oppositions and all these other things. I think it's become a lot more toxic. I think personally, everyone should just enjoy it is for what it is or don't enjoy it and then don't watch it. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, but you're probably not going to stop watching it. I'll be honest with you. You're probably going to continue watching it. Exactly. I, I mean, you know, this is a guy that has, has given a lot. And, and again, like when, you know, when the diagnosis hit, it was like, Hey, we, we should really like take a long heart look at like Roman Reigns, the, the performer and the man, you know, yeah, like, and appreciate. And I think they do now. I, I don't think I've heard like a, like a reaction to him, you know, as we've heard, but it's like, you know, when it comes down to it, like during those formative years, it was, it was kind of like Cena in the, in the, in those like 2006, 2007, 2008 years where it's like Roman, you know, they weren't giving him a lot, you know, right. there wasn't a lot to give him to cheer for. Like, yeah, there, he didn't have much. And I, I think like, other than like the shield guys that he go against, like none of his programs were particularly compelling against guys that we really liked mm-hmm. and i think the booking really hurt him a lot and it's, he's an example of terrible terrible creative that's happened this decade where it's like what are y'all thinking like right. nobody wants to see any of this shit like the the rusev shit was was something that was like the most disappointing to me or it's like why is he terrorizing this guy <laughs> like and we're supposed to cheer him and he was getting booed mm-hmm. it's crazy but I mean, you know, in the end, nobody had. He's like the LeBron of the of, of this decade. Nobody had more main events than he did. Nobody. I feel like maybe he's more Seth Curry. 
Steph Curry. Seth, I was like, wow. Wow. None? <laughs> no. John Moxley, Seth Curry. Uh oh wow. Turn that I like that. Turn that. <laughs> no, we you got you gotta get to the end of the show to hear that one. You you you've got too much heat already. We don't need any more. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Nobody anything to me. But uh that is that is RNC decade for the H L. That is the RNC. I mean, we're counting down this entire week. We're going to have various shows. I think all shows at some point, except maybe a few, will focus on just looking back at the decade for all things. Um, we've got amazing playlists. We have the RNC, RNC decade playlist of hip hop and R&B and pop is coming up. I have pop in the pocket. Um, that's that's at least 1200 songs of just things that you remember from this decade and moments and, and all these other things to kind of like look back on and be like, wow, like this was really an amazing decade and a really formative decade in music and pop culture. Um, I know we'll have a late fees one. Mm -hmm. Um, A show will be still, we still got the regular A show this week. So if you're looking forward to a show, we still got the regular ass A show this week. I mean, ain't regular ass, but you know. Wow, that was. How about? Can you say anything to make them not watch it or not listen to it? That's crazy. We got the same cool a show this week. <laughs> um, just two cool guys talking about professional wrestling. Yeah, um, RSPN, RSPN. RSPN this week. They'll be doing an RNC decade thing. We've got a lot. We got a lot in the tank. Um, Words to Mark Henry. Uh, so yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned. It's it's a fun week. It's a fun fun week. Trust yeah. me. Trust me. All right. So I'm not gonna even not even gonna continue with the pleasantries. Please tune in all week to RNC Radio Live and the A Show Network for meals. I'm Justin. Welcome to RNC Decade.